This is Inner Healing Paths podcast. Here we discuss the healing of the mind, body, soul, and spirit through a variety of different paths. We have emotional and spiritually minded conversations centering on ancestral healing, psychology, astrology, yoga, meditation, magic, and indigenous spiritual practices of the world. I am your host, Rosa Shetty, and I am so happy you are here. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Rosa. And for this episode, I invited poet and writer Nui Lalik to come on and share her story of what has helped her overcome a history of sexual trauma, suicidal ideation. And we talk a lot about poetry and how she was able to find that voice within her, to that part within her to help her heal. She wrote a book titled All My Favorite Men Are Dead, and she was she came on to talk about her creative process and how gratitude and connecting with her inner child has amplified her healing journey. She was so generous with the information that she shares, and I know that it's going to be very helpful for so many of you. If you find this episode helpful and healing on your journey, please subscribe to the podcast, share with a friend, share it on your social media, and tag me so I can reshare with my audience. And I want to give a brief disclaimer that this episode is not meant to treat or diagnose any mental health or physical health condition. This episode does not substitute for healthcare or mental health services, and guests are entitled to share their opinion and perspective, and this does not constitute an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. So without further ado, here's my interview with Nui Lelik. Take a listen. Hi, welcome Nui to the Inner Healing Paths podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, of course. And thank you so much for understanding. I know we're, we've been trying to get this going for a bit and there was some hiccups along the way, but thank you so much for, for being patient and understanding. Yeah, no. Oh my gosh. Life happens. I understand that completely. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And tell us a little bit about yourself and the, the work that you do. Yeah. So what kind of like led me to reaching out to you and finding your podcast, which is so beautiful. I'm always for people like you who are just putting out so much Mm -hmm. healing in the world and just like making it such an accessible resource. It's so necessary. So thank you, Kate. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, so my journey that led me to this moment today, um, I I dealt with a lot of childhood trauma and then sexual trauma, and I found poetry as a way of healing through that. And the more, like the deeper I go on this journey, the more I see how deeply impacted people who have experienced trauma are by having a creative outlet, whether that ends up being poetry or art or cooking, just anything creative. And it's such a beautiful way of just like, making sense of life and, and healing from things. So um, yeah, my, my specific outlet is poetry and I love it. And I don't know how I would live without it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned the creative outlet as a healing source, you know, for so many people that have experienced trauma. How did you tap into that creativity? How did you make that connection that this is actually a outlet, a source for my healing? How did that happen for you? I wish, I wish it had been like a more intentional path that mm-hmm. I can direct people to, but I'm not even kidding when I say I'm like, I didn't find poetry, poetry mm-hmm. found me. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. 
I, I like, I, st I studied uh, English literature in college, graduated with my degree in literature, and I hated poetry classes. Like I never understood them, didn't get the point of them. I just like went through the motions. I always wanted to like write a novel or um, yeah, write short stories. And I had just such a dry spell after college because I was just pushing down all the trauma I, I'd experienced, just repressing, pretending everything was okay. And then after my third suicide attempt, um, I like I was up late, like two nights later, and I couldn't get to sleep, couldn't get to sleep, pulled out my phone, opened up my notes app, thought I was going to, you know, journal or write a story or something. And I just let the words come. And I wrote my first poem, which is actually included in um, my very first published book of poetry titled All My Favorite Men Are Dead. Mm -hmm. um, and I have written a poem mm -hmm. almost every day ever mm -hmm. since. Oh, so beautiful. And, and Nui, I, I didn't know that it was, you had such, um, such an experience and in, in how it, it led you to poetry. I mean, that is in and of itself, a very, very traumatic journey post the trauma, right? It just that 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 process of healing sounds like it was a very intense process for you. Yeah, it was, it was very intense and very, it really did just mm -hmm. come to me out of nowhere. Like I, I, yeah. Maybe I'd written a, a few poems here and there, like as a kid and stuff, but it it just came so naturally. And mm. then ever since it's just been just this constant support. Like if poetry was a person, I'm like, it would just be like my best mm. friend, like always oh. here for me when I need it yeah. listen, and give advice. That's so beautiful. And, you know, going back to, you mentioned the suicide and, you know, I know so many, so many listeners, especially some people with, you know, with trauma and, and just difficulty sometimes, you know, that, that is that these are the thoughts that come up uh, when, how did poetry help you cope specifically with the suicidal thoughts? What did you notice as you found poetry or this outlet for you? What what happened with the suicidal thoughts or the, those tendencies? So I definitely never, ever want to speak to anybody else's experience. Mm, yeah. journey on this earth is so unique and so individual. Mm. But at least with my experience yeah. with it, I... I was, I was going through the motions of life as if everything mm. was okay. And I constantly wanted to die. And I like attempted to take my own life mm. several times and like, yeah. and just go back to life and be like, well, I didn't. So like pretend, like mm. pushing it down, pushing it, like pretending like it wasn't a big deal, pretending mm. like I was okay. Mm. And yeah. it just was not the case. And I think poetry more than anything, gave me an outlet of finally facing up to what was happening. Yeah, absolutely. Like seeing those words, it like really hit me like, oh, this is how I feel. This is what I'm experiencing. Mm. Not okay. Yeah, no, definitely. It sounds like there, there was this part within you, this poetic, this poet part that came through for you at, at this very difficult point in your life. And it's almost, and I could see it. I could see you mentioned it as your best friend. You know, it's almost like this, this the poet part of you just came through and it's like, we're going to, we're going to help you. We're going to yeah. help you get through this. Yeah. So beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think that's the, the message of creativity and pain and trauma. You know, it, it's, it, it resonates with so many people. And one of the ways that I like to see creativity is it comes from that place of you know, of um, it's it's where your higher, you know, be, your higher self is is where your our, you know, our truest uh, sense of self or who we are at our core. That it's through our creativity that we're able to access that. So when we're connecting with our creativity, what we've been through and all of that is is almost um, it's not the priority when we're connecting to it to our creativity because our creati creativity just flows through right and it shows us who we really are and so I think it's so beautiful that that you were able to connect with that right at that time where you needed it the most yeah it was it was so powerful it really it just it held up a mirror to me mm. and forced me to see that I wasn't okay like I wanted to pretend like I was but I mm. so clearly wasn't it was just the mm. mirror that I needed. 
Yeah. And pretending that you were okay. That's, that's also, you know, very, uh, I think a lot of folks do that. There's a concept that I'm, you know, that I've read about and people talk about it. it's called bypassing or, or some people do spiritual bypassing or even information bypassing, you know, but that sense of, you know, that, that, the action, sorry, of suppressing what we need to work through emotionally by engaging in other things, you know, that, that keep us numbed. Yeah. You know, what would you say you, you know, what was that, that you were using to suppress? Was it, you know, for some folks, it could be anything, it could be even working out or friendships, relationships, right. Traveling, you know, a lot of times folks gravitate towards certain things as a way to suppress, but you know, what we suppress, you know, just persists and eventually it needs to come out. So what was it for you? What was it that, that helped you to keep suppressing the trauma? It was definitely travel. It was Mm. absolutely, I, I fell in love with the ability to completely run away and Mm. be around people who didn't know me, didn't know anything about me. And it kept giving me like a clean slate to pretend I was okay. And Mm. anytime it would start to rear its ugly head of very, obviously this girl is not okay. Like I just go to the next country. I did it. I've been about 56 countries. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And and this happened in a, in a period of how long and in, in the period of how many months or years? Um, I traveled to most of those 56 countries in a period of about three years, but I started traveling almost immediately after I was raped in college. Mm. Like months later I was, I'd left the country and, and I just kept going after Mm. that. Like, obviously I would have to come back to do university classes, Mm -hmm. but every chance I got, I just, I just escaped. I'm like, let me not face what's actually happening. Let me go to another country Mm. that make it seem like my life is so great and everything's well, and nobody will question that I'm not doing okay. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Traveling is such a joy in and of itself for so many people, but it sounds like at some point you, you were able to make that connection that although it, it was, there was a there's a rush you know going from country to country and then maybe something happened in between countries that led you to believe is the rush is subsiding let me go to another one what was it that helped you make that link instead of just going through the motions of traveling from country to country what helped you make you know make or connect those dots that hey I'm actually suppressing or bypassing I really was poetry and it wasn't so right away. Mm. I realized like I started writing and I don't think I realized that I had been using travel to suppress all my trauma until about a year after I started writing. And then it was like months after I'd stopped traveling mm, got it. during the pandemic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So during your traveling, you were just going from one country to the next, but the connection came afterwards. Once you had, you were in one place. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Because then I started to realize if like staying, I mean, the pandemic really came at such, I, I, mm. I, I want to say this with the preface of like, I don't yeah. think the pandemic was a good thing. Like, I don't think like, yeah. I'm glad it happened, but it's like, for me, it was such a forced stillness that became uh. such a powerful force for transformation in my life, in my mm. life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 sounds like through poetry you had to process you know what you were sitting with and and unable to really take you know go anywhere else you had to really process and it just came out through your poetry yeah and I was so lucky that when I did come back home to the States during the pandemic, I met a woman very quickly who is also an amazing poet. Um, she hasn't shared her poetry with anybody but me yet. I keep trying to get her to because she's just fabulous. And mm-hmm. having her to like send poetry back and forth to and having that like support and like somebody who also uses the same creative medium to work through their own um just their own life experiences was really, was really beautiful, really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about your book and in the title, all my favorite men are dead. It's such, when I read the title, I was like, wow, this looks very interesting. (laughs) And it wasn't what I was expecting. You know, it was so, 
it was you know the the poem so emotional so raw so um how can I say it just very it just gives you a very clear vivid imagery of yeah. what it feels to go through the pain that you went through especially in relationships and in your relationship with others specifically with 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 some men but it's not all about that yeah <laughs> yeah so can you share a little bit about your book your poetry in that book and and just if you you can also share a poem if, if you want to yeah, you're comfortable. <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot. No, no but let's yeah. So tell us a little bit about your book. So it's so interesting because the the title people have mm -hmm. such a visceral like yeah. in body reaction when they hear it most of the time, and it's so interesting for me the differences I get between you know a lot of women who hear it they'll either laugh they'll think it's funny or it will deeply resonate with them where they're mm. like yeah. I, I know whatever it is you're describing, the pain you're experiencing that led you to say that or write that down, I get it. And with men, it's usually very immediately offensive, immediately puts them on the defensive of like, what are you trying to say? Mm. Like, you think all men should be dead. You want to live like on an island of just women, like very intense. And it's what's so funny to me is the the title of the book actually came from a therapy session I had when I realized I needed help on this healing journey. And my therapist asked mm. me if there were any men in my life I could trust. Mm. And I really had to stop and think about that question because I didn't, I had kept myself at arm's length from men for so long. Mm. And I didn't even have any men in my family because I have a very interesting family dynamic. So there weren't like real, really men in my life that I felt I could trust. And then I, I really like sat on the answer and started thinking about it and it finally hit me and it was every single book I had on my shelf. It was like most of the books, Shakespeare and Dickens and Alexander Dumas and Shel Silverstein. And it was all these men who like, mm. I, I lived inside of the worlds that they created, like their souls, their hearts, everything mm. in them poured out into these books. And I was like, those, those are my favorite men. Those are the men that mm. I trust. They're my favorite. <laughs> yeah. and, and it hit me I was like I have so much trust for men who are no longer alive because it's like I can get everything I want from that connection all the intimacy the shared experience of this like human life and and all of that without any fear that they'll take advantage of me or one day mm. you know use what I've said against them or abuse me or yeah. so it comes from this place it's not even a very angry place it comes mm -hmm. from mostly a very like just like a sad realization. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that that is uh, unique about your book is that it has um, an empty page. So every other page is empty. And it's for for us for the readers to, to write to draw whatever comes through after reading your, your poem, and it's a way to process. So I found that so beautiful. How, you know, what, what, where did the idea for that come from? I, I was working with my graphic designer who is an amazing man, a really mm -hmm. good friend of mine. Um, and I, I, he, he could tell how much I love, how much love I had for this book and how much of my soul and myself that I poured into it. And I was thinking, I was like, I want the people who read this book to have this much love for it. And it made me realize I was like, I don't necessarily love this because it's like just, you know, a book of poetry or a book of poetry that I resonate with. I love it because it's, it's emblematic of all of my pain and everything I've worked through. And just being able to like, even if there's still things in there where it's like, I am in the process of working through, like I've gotten to the point where I can face it enough that mm -hmm. I wrote it down. And I'm like, and I want to create that space for other women to do that for themselves. Like they may see themselves mm -hmm. in my words, but it's so much more healing for them to then take that and use that to put it in their own words or in their own, you know, paintings or sketchings or drawings to make yeah. that their own. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when, when it comes to, so you mentioned that your medium, the medium for your art is through writing. I, do you, have you found any other ways of coping with, with the trauma or the pain 
or is it is it primarily writing poetry um it's it's writing but then also I I definitely have a very interesting trauma bonded codependent relationship with my motorcycle <laughs> I think I'm very aware yeah. of the fact that I I latch onto that coming from a place especially like as a woman who's experienced rape that feeling of powerlessness that you experience after something like that and the way mm. I feel when I'm on the motorcycle is just so powerful, so untouchable. So it's all of like the feelings that I feel like were taken away from me um, after, you know, several of my uh, traumatic experiences. Mm. So yeah. I definitely, I use writing and then <laughs> writing. R-I-D-N-G. Writing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so tell us a little bit about where you are at in your relationship with, um, with, with men, you know, I know you mentioned that you, at some point during your therapy and healing journey, you realize, well, my favorite men, the men that I trust and I feel safe with, you know, they're all writers, they're all dead. Uh, where, how has that evolved for you since, since then? And, and what, what shifts have you noticed? Yeah. So I, that's what I love about the poetry. And, um, is I feel so blessed is that once I am able to put it into words, I'm able to face it and then start to work through it and say, okay, what kind of life do I want for myself? And are these beliefs and are these thoughts and are these Mm. ways of thinking going to give me that life? And not to say that there, you know, there is a right or a wrong way. I definitely don't want to invalidate any woman's anger who may want to hold on to that. If, if anger fuels you and it gives you the life that you want for yourself, absolutely keep Mm. that. It's it's doing something, it's serving you. Um, But for me, I was able to work through it and, and What's so beautiful is I'm doing something that I haven't seen really in poetry is this is Mm. actually the first book in a trilogy. Mm. So it's an entire series regarding my relationship with men and my experience Mm. with sexual trauma. And um, yeah, it kind of goes through the different phases of that, of that, that I've been experiencing. And so the next one that'll be coming out um, is a healing book of questioning. And then after that, I have a healing book of rediscovery. Um, Cause this one is subtitled a healing book of pain. Mm. I, I really feel like my relationships with men have healed so much in so many beautiful ways that would be hard to put into words, except for through poetry. Mm, yeah. But yeah, no, I'm in a, I'm in a really good place right now, which is just amazing when I look at where I came from and how much pain I was experiencing so constantly. Yeah, you know, and you know, one of the things that that is coming to mind now as I hear you speak, I think so many people can relate to the the anger and in the sense of just feeling so powerless, you know, especially after trauma, but just you know, so much of what happens in in just in the world, right? Um, one of the one of the things that, that we've noticed is that so many of the crimes and the horrible things that we see, the majority are committed by men, not all, right? Not all crimes, but, you know, a lot of the mass shootings and a lot of just the, the, the horrible things that we see or even even rape and trauma is not only men, of course, but majority of the perpetrators are. And so I think even if you have not experienced, you know, the, the, in your in your own life, we know of someone that has, right? Another woman, another person in our lives that has experienced this or or we see it, right? We see it on, on, on the media. And so I think so many people can relate to that sense of not feeling safe. Uh, now, when you've been the, 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 you know, the victim of a terrible crime, like what you went through, I think it's even more, you know, visceral, right. And, and that sense of safety in, in, ang- and then the anger that comes as you're healing, I think it's so appropriate. And, and it's one of the things that, that really stood out in, 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 as I was reading some of your poems is that, that anger is so palpable. And, so, and I think so many women are so, especially as you're navigating the trauma, you know, so many of us get stuck in the, in feeling the numbed and then also frozen, 
that the anger is actually an indicator that we're healing. If we can get in touch with that emotion, we're actually healing. We're actually moving through because we're feeling it. We're feeling something other than numbness, other than shock. So I think what one of the things that stood out about your book is that it helps it, you know, for those that are not yet able to express their anger your words because it's so it could just it just comes through you know the the anger the harshness and some of the words that and I, I don't say harshness in a bad way I just say harshness because they're very raw you know statements and and it just it's it, you're it makes it easier to connect with the anger that we should feel when we've been betrayed and taken advantage of and used and the and and hurt and that we should feel anger. Yeah. Right. So connecting to that emotion is so healing and so cathartic. Uh, and and, oh, no, go ahead. I know it's so interesting to me that you brought up, like, you know, like it does seem to be, you know, typically men who are committing these crimes and, and especially in regards to like anger around that. I actually had a therapy session almost a year ago when I was like working through and getting through some, some things. And I remember just like almost shouting at my poor therapist, Mm. (laughs) but I was like, she understood it wasn't, it wasn't about Mm -hmm. her, but I was like, I get that it's not all men but why is it always men? And I was so angry and I was so frustrated. Mm. I'm like over here trying to work through the wounds I have to create Mm. relationships with men. And I'm like, fine, it's not all of them, but God dang it. If it's not always Mm. them, it it seems, it seems. Mm, Absolutely. And it's like, there is anger that comes with that. Yeah. yeah. And in, in anger, rage, that's, you know, I feel like more women, uh, we more of us need to be connected with these because these are powerful emotions right powerful emotions that tend to come with an action that tend to come with with a they they're almost like a like catalyst emotions because they push us towards something you know towards being able to either stand up for ourselves to fight back to to connect with other parts of our journey that we need to move forward so anger rage these are when when channeled you know appropriately and in in when channeled for our high for our highest purpose and good i think that they, it, it can just be so powerful and sometimes we need others to model that for us especially when we're healing you know and so through writing through poetry through even movies right we we get we were able to see powerful women express their anger their rage and channeled most importantly expressed and channeled in ways that are healing that can be healing and powerful for for others and for ourselves absolutely absolutely and it it, it is really empowering yeah yeah and what are some other um you know so so uh your poems did you have any any other writers that that were inspiring for you and in terms of other other strong uh, women writers that that you felt you were able to identify with these really strong emotions yeah I mean I I actually met a woman when I was living in Bali who really helped bring out more of the poetry in me and like in a more intentional way than I had been before I started attending her workshops Mm. and she's amazing she deals with a very similar subject matter Mm. in poetry uh, definitely sexual assault she published a book of poetry called loose girls Mm. and her name is Henley Worthen and just absolutely amazing so Mm. raw so unfiltered she just lays it all out you can tell this is a woman who has reached a point in her healing journey where there is nothing but self-love and confidence she recognizes that this pain is Mm. not her cross to bear she did not choose it it it, all of the blame lays at the feet of the men who took advantage of her Mm. and it is it was so healing to read that book and it was so beautiful. And I cannot recommend her book of poetry uh, enough to women mm. who have experienced sexual assault because she is such a powerful writer. Yeah, no, thank you for that that, yeah. that resource. And I'm definitely going to, to check it out. And so, you know, when it comes to 
to just your own, uh, your own journey, you mentioned doing therapy and of course, you know, your poetry. And I think so many people, um, you know, I guess so many people feel like it's just one thing that is going to be helpful and it's, but it sounds, you know, in, in, at the core of my podcast is to, to show all the different paths that lead to healing. So for you, it was definitely poetry. You mentioned your therapist. Did you did you do or have you done anything else that you felt has really contributed also to your healing, to specifically I, from the, your sexual trauma? I love doing sound meditations. I absolutely love. Um, I do. Mm-hmm. I try to do breath work, meditation, but even more so than all these paths, I think what has helped lead me to all of these very healing activities that do a lot for my mental and emotional health mm-hmm. is just finally understanding that self-love is not just a buzzword. It's not just a catchphrase. It's like, it's an act that needs to be practiced every moment of every day. Anytime you catch yourself being cruel or critical to yourself in your mind, you need to just like be able, like bring the awareness to it. So that way self-love can actually emerge. Cause if you're not even aware that you're being so critical and shaming and harsh to yourself, you're not going to be able to step in and be like, whoa, 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 stop it. This is not very kind. I need to show myself love and compassion and kindness in the moment, the same way I expect my friends to show me love and compassion and kindness. And I think like bringing awareness to the moments when I'm being cruel and instead stepping in to show myself love has been such a huge part of my healing journey because showing myself love brings me to the paths, brings me to the activities that are going to help me heal most. Mm. Yeah. And what are some of the, the, the actual, you know, concrete things that you do that, that, the, the show your that you use to show yourself love. Um, what are some of the things that that you are able to shift to when you're noticing? Okay, I'm not being very loving and compassionate towards myself. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of my critical, like harshest, you know, inner voices come from childhood, especially like mm-hmm. with a with a wound with my mom. Yeah. And so I started, I've always been like kind of afraid to be a mom because I was so worried that I was going to treat my daughter the way that I was treated. And I realized that I absolutely will treat whatever mm-hmm. child I have the way I was treated if I continue to treat myself like mm-hmm. that. So I started talking to myself as if I was my little daughter in my head. And like telling myself good night. And like, when I wake up in the morning, be like, good morning, sweet girl. Like, how are you? Like, how did you sleep? Like, as if I was my own daughter, it's like literally almost like getting practice of like, I don't want to hurt another human being. So it's like, let me practice on me. Cause if it's, if it comes natural to me that I'm going, it's going to make me a better mom. And I recognize that there are so many wounds that women have around like, oh, I'm only, you know, you know, I'm not a woman if I'm not a mom or whatever. And recognizing like for some people, this might not be the right path of approaching yourself this way. And like, doing this for like a child that technically doesn't exist for me, this is very healing because the thought of like, I've always wanted to be a mom, but then the fear of being a mother, like my mother really kept me from walking down any path that would lead me toward motherhood for so long. Yeah. And, and first, you know, that, that was such a beautiful, approach to bringing in more of that love that self-love and that compassion and and you know I do a lot of inner child healing in my own practice so you know it just it just reminded me of of the the practice of inner child work it's not necessarily doing you know a a meditation once a week you know even though that's that's helpful right it's about living that and connecting with your inner child every day and you just gave us a beautiful example of how to do that is to be to acknowledge your inner that that little girl within right that inner child within you that is there Uh, and you mentioned for you is you know to be to in the hopes of being a mom in the future this is practice for you to be loving and gentle to a little one in your life in the future yeah so it's so beautiful thank you for sharing that that's a really good tool I think that so many folks can can use 
Yeah. I think people should not be afraid to refer to themselves like mm. with names, like sweet baby girl. Like when Absolutely. I'm talking to myself in my head, I call myself sweet baby girl because sometimes mm. I remind myself that there was a little kid in here once and she was hurt a lot. And I just mm. want to always like love her. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You get to reparent, you know, that part that that's a beautiful part about healing is that even if you did not receive what you needed while you were growing up, once we're able to connect with that and acknowledge that and we're able to reparent our that part within us because that part is still there right the little the, the little you is still very much there within you and it needs that it needs that love it needs that attention that acknowledgement yeah so that is a very beautiful practice that you do and you mentioned also the you're you know it's it sounds like now it's a it's a practice you do this very naturally how did you start how did it become a habit because I think so many folks they read about doing you know the the, the self-compassion and the inner child work and and it's hard you read it cognitively and you're like yeah that makes sense I want to do it and then maybe you do it for, for a bit and then you just you know life gets happens and routine kicks in how or what helped you make this part of your day-to-day routine to stay mindful on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. So what actually really started, it was so interesting is um, I've had a few experiences this year where I felt very just like let down and disappointed by my mother and her unwillingness to, to sort of like recognize my like value in her life and, and to treat me as if I, as if I was somebody who mattered to her. And I just started thinking like I genuinely it came from such a place of like starting to thinking about one day like my little girl and like knowing I'm not a perfect person knowing I'm gonna fail but that I want her to know no matter what she is so loved and I started writing letters to you know this daughter that does again does not Mm -hmm. exist I'm just like just already just like apologizing for all the ways I failed her just saying like but I hope she always knew that I was there for her, that I'm in her corner. And after about three letters, it hit me that I was saying all the things I wanted to hear. Mm. And oh my God, I'm going to start crying. Yeah. I, like, I, I just, I broke down crying yeah. when I realized that. And I was like, as beautiful as it would be to mm. give that to somebody else, this little girl who doesn't exist yet the fact that I was so ready to go my whole life without Mm. giving it to myself, but just wanting to give it to her kind of like hurt even more of like, why do you believe you're not worthy of that? You're Mm. so capable of giving it to like, clearly you're capable of giving this. You're writing, Mm. writing letters to somebody who doesn't exist. (laughs) You've got got it in you. So why don't you just give it to you? Absolutely. Oh, no, that's so beautiful. And, and Absolutely. I, I feel that, you know, through that process, you were able to acknowledge that there is a part of you that is he- is healing through this, whether it's the future, your lineage, or whether it's backwards, you know, uh, healing yourself. But, but you know, there's, there's an element that happens. And I, I just find it so magical that when we start healing ourselves, we we directly and indirectly heal our our past, also lineage, you know, are those that came before us and those that came after that will come after. So it's such a beautiful journey. And it sounds like for you, as you were connecting with your, your lineage, you know, those, those that will come after you, you were able to tap into that, that healing that you very much still need now. Yeah. So it, it, it led me and that led me to a lot of practices that I think are really beautiful that I keep on a daily basis where like every day I write myself a one page letter in my journal mm. as if I was like, I'm like, you know, sweet baby girl, I hope you have a great day. Like all these like really mm. nice things. And I have a forgiveness journal where I write down one thing I forgive myself for every day. So I'm not holding on to any shame or regret mm. or guilt. And so, yeah, but it, re- it really started as like, wanting to show love to somebody else led me to finally understanding how I needed to love myself and why I needed to give that love to myself. Mm, I love that. So beautiful. You know, I, I do that. I, I did that when I was pregnant, I started writing letters to my future child and I actually forgot. It's so funny. You know, I forgot that I did that at some point and 
recently I found a letter that I wrote. So, you know, so my experience, you know, now is like, I found the letter that I wrote to, to my baby um, that, and now that I know, you know, know her, know her personality and everything it's, it, it becomes, it's a, it was for me reading that and now having her and three years later, it's like, it's such a beautiful experience. So, uh, save those letters because you just never know how they're going to help you integrate. So for me, it was like, um, can I connected certain dots and that was unexpected yeah. meaning with the, the letters of pre, you know, before I had her and now that I have her and seeing those letters, it was, it was very, it was a very, um, powerful experience to connect certain dots that I would not maybe not have otherwise. So so yeah so save all of that and then you mentioned that the writing to your future self is also it's interesting because I I um I was a yoga teacher many a few years ago um so I did the yoga training and part of our training um there's this yogic practice a very ancient practice um it's called uh, avavana and Vavana practice in the yoga tradition basically is, is that is writing to your future self and is actually a tool for manifestation. Uh, and it's so ancient. And, and so for, so it, when you were describing that, that's what came to mind is you were writing, you're writing these, these Vavana, <laughs> Vavanas and, what you're putting in there, which is healing and nurturing will be for you. And it will also be for, you know, for those that come after you. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely feel that I feel that more and more every day and it's, it's so beautiful. And I just, gosh, I just want everybody to, Mm. (laughs) I just want to bring everyone on this journey of like, if you're struggling and you're you're like Mm. dealing with like low self-worth, low self-esteem, like you were not received the love that you deserved in childhood. I'm like, oh my gosh, please just come on this journey with me because it's, it's not easy. And it's not like every day is beautiful and wonderful, Mm. but it's so much better than not doing it. It's so much better than not facing it and realizing this is why the hurt exists. This is why absolutely yeah no and and you mentioned it's not easy and it and I think that's one of the things that we really um you know with social media and and what we what we see out there is that it's all you know healing and it's all pleasant and you feel better and but the truth is that sometimes it it can be very triggering (laughs) you know work connecting or even writing the letters that you described can also be very triggering right but 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 I think it's there's it's important to, to be able to, to sit with that discomfort, to be able to notice that discomfort and to continue, if you're able to continue and get support, you you don't have to do this journey on your own. You don't have to do this, the self-help only route. And I can do this, but you know, you, there's, there's people out there that it doesn't have to be a therapist, but there's people out there that, that, want and are, are and offer services specifically to help you heal. Yes, exactly. And honestly, I would highly recommend people not go it alone because there's mm. so much more power in community and in opening yourself up. I feel like it's society today has such a such a wound around self-reliance where it's like we need mm. proof that we can do things on our own and we have Absolutely. this desire to print and it's like there is so much healing and support in allowing yourself to just fall into the the support and the guidance and the help of somebody worthy of that trust. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There is, there is nothing wrong with getting help. Actually, we are supposed to be in, you know, this is our, our naturally, we're not supposed to be alone on yeah. any journey, whether it's healing, parenting, career, you know, whatever it may be, we're, we're meant to do it with the support and the help of others with our, a village, right? A, a tribe. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, you know, I meant, I heard you on another podcast and you mentioned uh, another beautiful practice. And I was wondering if you can share with our listeners about that. It was practice of forgiving yourself every day. Yeah. So that's my forgiveness journal. Yeah. Yeah. So can you share a little bit more about that? 
Yeah. Okay. I, I realized from my childhood wounds that I held a lot of shame, a lot of self-blame and like, that's where a lot of my low self-esteem and, and self-hatred at times even came from was blaming myself for every, everything that ever went wrong and every moment where I felt uncomfortable. And it's like always finding some way to make it my fault. Um, and so when I started writing down everything, I, I, I can't even tell you, I don't remember where I got this idea from. I don't know if it was genuinely like, oh, I heard it. And this is somebody else's idea. Or if I just decided out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. it's been so long now, I don't even remember. Um, it's the ugliest looking journal. It's just, it's just Brown. Mm -hmm. I got it at like the dollar store, just wrote down on the cover. I forgive myself for dot, dot, dot. And then, I write down at least one thing every day. And I was blown away by the things that came out at first, like the the things that came out from like deep that I'd been holding in for years. We're talking like I'm 29 and I wrote down, I had to forgive myself for some things that happened in high school. Like Mm. I didn't even realize I was still holding that against myself. Yeah, no, it's a powerful practice. When I heard, when I heard that on, on the podcast, I, the, the, few days after that, I, I, I did it. I, I, you know, I designated a specific notebook and I'm just, I'm going to do this. And the first day I wrote, I don't know, it was like 10 things, but just like you said, I was blown away about what was coming out and same thing, you know, I'm, I'm almost 40. And some of the things that were coming up were things from like 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, And I I was like, what is this? I had not thought about these things in, I don't know, 10, 20, I don't know how many years. Right. And, and then I noticed the second day it was, I I think I did it for like five or six days. The second days it's so, so basically little by little, it started getting to more the day-to-day more the recent (laughs) the recent things right but it's interesting I I for me it was just really fascinating to observe that process within myself that how these really old things were coming through and I'm like hmm I didn't even know I was feeling guilty about that (laughs) after 20 years and it's so you did it for a few days so I've been doing it for a few months it's really interesting to see the ebbs and flows of what you were talking about where at first it's like oh you're pulling from this deep deep well and then eventually it it goes the day-to-day of like oh I forgive myself for this yesterday and you know this etc and then every now and then I would have a day where I would go to sit down and write and I'd be like I have nothing to forgive myself for I'm doing my best Mm. and that's all I can ask of myself and the next day would not be the case I would write down things I wanted to forgive myself for, but every now and then that day would come and it would be so interesting to see Mm -hmm. of like, and I had no way of predicting and every now and then like, and, but going back and seeing in this forgiveness Mm -hmm. journal, it's like, I've been doing this for months and seeing that I've had like five days where I would hundred percent sat in the truth that I was doing my best. Mm. I'm not at fault or to blame for anything. I'm like, if I keep doing this, maybe one day I'll have like a whole month where I feel that way. Mm. And then maybe like when I'm like 75, I'm like, I'll like have like six months where Mm. I feel like I don't have to forgive myself for anything. I'm doing my best. And I, and I know I'm doing my best. Yes, I know. I love that. I saw it like a almost like a purging, yeah. <laughs> the the at the beginning, so it it was it was a really really interesting and powerful practice for me. So I encourage the listeners to try it. Now that we're talking, I think I'm gonna do do it again for the next few days. I you know how it is. You start something new and then you do it for for a few days and then. Yeah. something happens that you forget and then you forget again and then you know so that's I was really enjoying doing that and then yeah and one day I probably got busy and forgot but now that we're talking this is a reminder to go back to it because it is I experienced um I experienced it as very powerful and so interesting so so yeah. definitely go out and do it see what comes out for you and stand in the belief that no one should ever shame themselves for falling off the wagon of something that they know is good for them. It's like the worst thing you can do is shame yourself for not being consistent with anything that you want. One day is better than zero days. One time better than no times. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, we really outgrow certain things, right. And we don't need to do it again. And I, I, I listened to someone talk about supplements one day and they were talking about how, 
you know, you know, the, the question was, well, so how do you know when you no longer need to take this supplement? And, and the, the, it was an interesting response because basically it was, well, you know, sometimes our intuition, we don't, we, we don't get like a distinct uh, indication, like, okay, you need to stop now, but sometimes we, we start forgetting and we then it's like a day and we forget and then we get back on it but then it becomes two days and then it's three days and then all of a sudden you realize oh I'm feeling better do I really need you know so it's almost like you there's a part within you that helps you through that uh not always right but but I found with certain practice is important to also give, like you said, give, give ourselves a lot of grace. Maybe we don't need it. Maybe this is something that, that we needed to do it at that period of time. And then we've, we can move on to something else. Or, you know, if, if for me, you know, just with this conversation for me, it's like, that was really helpful. I, I need, I'm going to go back to it, you know, because sometimes we do need it. Maybe there's more things that I need to purge. <laughs> so yeah, my intuition is telling me we need to go back to that. That was really helpful. So, yep. yeah. All about um, giving yourself grace, showing yourself love doing what you feel is right for you. Absolutely. Well, this has been a lovely conversation. And I was wondering if you have a poem that you want to share with, with us uh, to end our, our chat today. Yeah, I would love to. So some of my poems are longer, but a few of them are shorter. And this is a shorter one, but I, I love it. And I feel like it's really impactful. Mm. And it's how I feel about sisterhood mm. and how, you know, we, we really do share in this collective experience, even though all of our unique individual journeys are so different, we do share in like a similar share, uh, experience. Absolutely. We have more in common than we, than not (laughs) that's that. Yeah. The humanity we, we have, we just have more in common. We're more alike than what we realize. Absolutely. So, um, this one is called, I know that girl, I know that girl Her pain is my own, but not mine alone. It's shared by all the women who have suffered and been struck down by the stones sinful men throw. So I love that. Thank you. you. So powerful. And and I want to encourage everyone to get your book and use it, make it, you know, I, I, wrote in my own stuff after reading some of your poems and it was just also very very powerful so and I can't wait for the next two the next your next two books thank you yeah. I, I love hearing that you like wrote down your I own did stuff. yeah not not for every and not every every yeah. poem but some poems just really resonated with me and and yeah, things came through and I'm like, okay, well, let's do this. <laughs> There's a blank page here for me. So yeah, it was beautiful. So I, I, I thank that. you for that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for this conversation. It was so beautiful, Rosa. Yes. No, thank you for your time and for sharing your journey, your story with us. And, and I look forward to having you again, maybe the next you for your next book. Oh, absolutely. You, come read- you know, I'm going to be listening to your podcast. Oh, yes. Like the rest of it. So absolutely. Aww. I would love to come back on again. I yes. love your, I love your episodes. Thank you. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope that you found it healing and nourishing to your mind and soul. If there's a friend that you think would benefit from listening to this information, please share it. Share about our podcast. If you feel called to, please leave us a review as this really, really helps boost our presence here in Apple Podcasts and it makes it easier for others to find us to stay up to date on new episode releases and special events and projects that I'm working on. You can follow us on Instagram at Inner Healing Paths Podcast, and you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to my website, which is rosachettilcsw.com. And I will include this information and links in the show notes. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again next time.